This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to Be Nation, welcome back, and thank you for still having us here. Uh, This is Bells with Books, and I am one of your hosts. Miranda, of course, I do not do this alone because that could be awkward. Um, So I do it with, actually, a little bit of story time here. I do it with the person that I say never lose hope in meeting your internet best friend, Um, Bianca. Hello. Hello. I'm going to start every podcast like that now. I'm going to go, hello. Like for Mrs. Doubtfire? Yes. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Um, Yes, so... So quick story time, if we never told you guys this, uh, the way Bianca and I became friends is actually um, we were both part of a local, it was a very small group on Facebook because it was made up of all people that knew each other, Um, except for a few of us who were like newbies or brought in by other friends or or what, what have you. And we were friends on there for about a year. We even did like a semi book club on there for a while. Um, and I was like, this, I'm never going to meet this girl. And then we started doing these really large, and I do mean really large, meetups with all of our friends. <laughs> we had a decent-sized friend group, I will say that. Um, as an Sometimes adult, I miss those days. Yeah, I do, I do. But we used to do these really large meetups, especially for um, Marvel movies or just uh, movies in general. And we would all go eat. Um, and at one time we went, there was 23 of us. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's how Bianca and I finally met each other is we went, um, she started her and her husband who were, you guys were pretty fairly newlyweds then at the time, weren't you? Um, well we had been hanging out with like Candace and Scott and, uh, Melissa and Nick for a while, but we didn't start hanging out with the group until after we were married. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like you guys were, I think newlyweds the first couple of times. And I didn't actually talk to you the first few times. Cause one, again, guys, you have to understand there was a group of 23 of us trying to all like have conversations and stuff, um, at the same dinner table. So <laughs> I remember at one time we like took over a whole side of Outback. <laughs> oh my God, we did. We took over a whole, whole side of Outback. Um, that was the time that we like went to the bathroom and then we like all left the bathroom. Cause some girl was like, having an existential crisis in there and uh, our outback only had like three stalls in the women's bathroom. So we were like, no part of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like before we even met, we had just been talking on, I think on like Facebook and stuff. Yeah. And I just went ahead and friend requested you on a message. I was like, we talk enough. We should just go ahead and be friends. And you were like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But it was like a year later. And what's funny is we only lived like 25 minutes away from each other. Yeah, you were literally like right down the road. Yeah, I wasn't far, but that's how Bianca, that's the story of how Bianca and I actually became besties. Like, it's been a minute. And I have come to terms, because if you've listened to me here at Place to Be Nation, you're like, wait, I thought you said Jenny was your bestie. I thought you said Andy was your bestie. Here's the thing, as an adult, like as a kid, we're like, I have one best friend and that's all I can have. No, 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 no. I have come to learn that it's quality over quantity as an adult. And you can have more than one best friend because they're your best friend for a different reason. So exactly. we have like a best friend's group. There's a group of us. And I would die for all of them. So there's that. Not to be dramatic or anything. Not to be dramatic, but I came out that way. 
So <laughs> I came out of my mama causing problems in this world. So <laughs> speaking of causing problems, though, uh, there was actually something we wanted to talk about today. You know, last month we started this new kind of like discussing things that are going on in the book world. Um, and Bianca and I some days speak exclusively through sending each other TikToks. Um, and a lot of time it actually has to do with books specifically. Um, and her and I kind of both noticed a trend lately over the past few months. It's not like, an, like bam, instant trend. Um, but it's a negative one, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I mean, just a tiny bit. Yeah, it's negative. And that's, um, we have talked to you. This is episode five, four. I don't know. It feels I think this is five. Five. In some ways, I feel like we've been doing this for a really long time now, and that's a good feeling. Just because we've been ways, planning this for a really long time. We have been planning this for a really long time. <laughs> um, but in the past episodes that we've done so far, we've talked about book talk and how if you're not on there, it's a great place and you can learn a lot. We still stand by that statement, or at least I still stand by that statement. I feel like you do as well. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I feel like I can speak for both of us, but the... Amount of toxicity that I have seen in this community ramping in the past few months is pretty astronomical. Um, it's things from calling out certain, I'm afraid to say their name because they keep cease and desisting everybody that talks bad about them. Um, but th- whether you be a specialty book box company and someone calls you out on your BS or whether you really be into YA or, um, like, you really like a book that someone else really hates, or you hate a book that somebody really likes. I've even noticed they've been calling people out for um, listing a book as their favorite that is a problematic book. I'll use one as an example that is my favorite, that I understand it is problematic, but that's why it remains on my list, because I feel like it's an example of things not to go back to, and I think we even talked about this last episode already, To Kill a Mockingbird. So just using that as an example, they're even calling people out like, you can't say that's your favorite book. It's so problematic. So it's like something we wanted to really like talk about with each other um, more in this setting where we can share it with you guys and even hear what you have to say, get your feedback as well. Um, again, recommend Book Talk. Please take a look. There are some great, great creators. Um, one of my absolute favorite, who I will say his name, most people I will not call out today because... I don't think they're necessarily inherently bad, and I don't think they should be shamed or talked rudely about. But I will call out Meg's Tea Room. She's from Nashville. She's pleasant. She is adorable. She reads a lot of YA. She also reads um, some spicy romance like I do. Um, and she does. she's all about cozy books, not just like cozy mysteries like, like I um, read, but anything she considers cozy that makes her feel good. Um, she likes a lot of fantasy as well, so I recommend her. And then one that I know you also follow is Jason Easy Cat. Yeah. Love him as well. He's great. So funny. I highly recommend following both of those. But now to get to the bad point. Um, I don't know. The one this week, the big one this week, is talking about how YA has had its moment and we need to let it go. <laughs> that was That's- one of the big ones this week. Um, But I know that you had one you specifically wanted to talk about. Well, I actually just saw one this morning. Um, Both one of our favorite authors, Colleen Hoover. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say she's controversial. It's just that people tend to either really like her or really hate her. And with that comes. With that comes a various level of celebrity because she did kind of blow up during quarantine. 
people were stuck at home and that's when book talk started becoming big. And a lot of people discovered Colleen Hoover within the past two years. And I feel like her fandom just exploded. It did. But I saw one this morning where this girl was claiming that one of her sons had assaulted a 13 year old and that she supposedly had proof and was posting it to Twitter. And while I don't have full access to Twitter, I was able to look at her proof tweet. And all it was was her messaging Colleen Hoover saying this happened. And, of course, Colleen Hoover takes long extended breaks from social media. So So who knows if she even saw that. But that person posted it. And then another person took that as Colleen Hoover is ignoring this and trying to sweep it under the rug. And I'm like... I'm 99% sure that is not what's happening. And now Colleen Hoover is like blowing up on TikTok because her son supposedly assaulted somebody. Well, the last time I, I I have access to Twitter, I'm really bad at Twitter, by the way, if you follow me there. Um, The last time it looks like she's posted anything was in August. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, it doesn't look like she's posted anything. Um, she is pretty active in her Facebook group. She does respond to people there. I know she's active there, um, but she does. She takes breaks and she'll tell people like, I'm trying to write a book. I'm not paying attention to this. Um, and I'm now looking for said thing. I didn't see that this morning, but. If I can find it, I will send it to you. Yeah. It, but it looks like she hasn't done anything over on Twitter since August. Um, and it's possible that that thing is taken da- down now um, because I'm even looking at like where people tweet at her um, and I don't see it. Um, oh, no, this wasn't on Colleen Hoover's Twitter. It was on this random person's Twitter. Oh, okay. She was well, posting the DM that she supposedly sent Colleen Hoover. Okay. So, I mean, here's the other thing. Whether her child did or did not do this, one, all of her children but one, so she has three boys, um, two of the three are minors, and one is barely legal. I can't remember how old he is. The The oldest is in his 20s now. He joined he's joined the like, baby. Yeah, but he's only like 20, 21. He's still, he's still a baby. Like, I mean, yeah, he's legally an adult. Like, if he did something wrong, he did something yeah. wrong. But my point to that is, whether her child did this or not, this is not something you throw out there publicly. This is something that if you're serious about it, and it really did happen, um, because you address it and you and you take it to the proper channels. Um, my other thing is, if I had written a book and my child, who's 20-something years old, he's not, but like say he were at that point, he had done something bad, Um that doesn't make me a bad person. And that does that also doesn't make me like not think he's in the wrong. I don't know. There's just a lot, a lot that you could dive into that. So, oh, I, so, well, I was reading the comments and a lot of them were calling Colleen out and I'm like, what does she have to do with this? Even if her right. son did this, like the only quote proof is this one DM that this person mm-hmm. sent to Colleen claiming that it happened. It's not, and it's not even like a DM between the son and this uh, the other kid or, um, or whatever. It's it's just literally the person saying, "Hey, I'm messaging you because this happened." Yeah. Or I was told this happened. So it's third. It's hearsay along yeah. with that, right? Like basically, it's third person. Like I was told by so and so that your son did this, and I I want you to do something. Basically. Basically, because what? Like, I'm not <laughs> trying to discredit any potential no, absolutely assaults not. Absolutely that would have not. happened because. 
I don't do that. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is that when you're this person of a certain celebrity status, this mm-hmm. just seems like kind of a money grab, if anything. It like, does. And, and kind of like, I won't tell if you give me X, Y, and Z. And maybe, you know, okay, let's, so let's say it really did take place. I feel like the way they're going about trying to address it is the incorrect way to do it. Exactly. Um, and then again, Colleen didn't make this decision. So as a parent, if my child does something when he gets to her son's age, her, let's just say it was the oldest son. When she gets to the oldest son's age, and he's 20, 21, somewhere in there. Um, at that point, I have done everything I can possible to make him a good human. He is now out in the world on his own making decisions. Um, and this brings up a story that has nothing to do with book talk, but uh it, it's it's on the child at that point, right? Whether I'm famous, not famous, I'm nobody, it shouldn't matter. It's on them. They made a decision that is wrong. Um, I actually was reading an article just this week that there was a young man that he had assaulted someone. I don't know the details of it, um, but they had a sketch of him or a photo of him or something. And his parents saw it, his mom and his dad. And they were like, oh, hell no. And they turned him in. See, they were like, we right raised you to be better than this. We raised you not to be that kind of person. You made this decision. So consequences have actions. We love you. This breaks our heart. But guess what? If we don't do it, who will? Yeah. So I think in some ways going to her and saying, I'd really like to talk to you about an action that your son took would be one thing, right? So messaging her. Um, But then if you DM in one way and it's been a month or a few weeks and you haven't got an answer, she has multiple ways to reach her. You could even reach out to her, um, her publicist or her manager and be like, I really need to get in touch with her. This is regarding a personal matter with her son. If you'd please pass on the information, here's my contact info. And then you've done everything you can. I think by taking a picture of the screenshot and posting it, posting it is a little, I mean, maybe you're desperate. Okay. So I don't want, I don't want this person to possibly hear us. I doubt that'll happen, but I don't want them to possibly hear us and be like, you don't know. I don't know. I was not there. I was not in the room where this possibly took place. I went, you know, I don't know, but I think there's a different way of addressing this. And it does add to a level of toxicity in the book world, just like the unnamed box company that is shady as crap. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of ways to bring toxicity to a, I don't know, would you, I, I would call this in some ways, it's, it's a hobby, it's a fandom, it's a, um, it's a friendship building. There's a lot of things that reading and like, reading it's almost its brought. own, it's also a, its own like conglomerate kind of sort of, because it, it has such a huge following It does. and stuff like this, it just turns people off. Because it really does. Recently, j- just speaking for myself, I have taken the approach of even if something is super popular, if it doesn't enrich my life in any way, I don't want a part of it. Agreed. And agreed. it's sadly that parts of book talk is getting to that point where mm-hmm. I've stopped following people. I'm just like, I don't, I'll hit the like little settings thing in TikTok and be like, no, no longer interested, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't it even come up on my page. When you unfollow a person, like why you're unfollowing them. 
Um, there's one that I, you and I both, I, well, I don't know if you actually follow the person. And uh, again, I'm not going to get into their screen name or anything, but um, I originally started following them because they were sharing some of the like, this is crazy. Why are we going at each other's throats? Um, and I have felt like this person has started adding to the toxic level. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the big one that, that, that this person was discussing was apparently there's a lot of people that now feel that like YA has had its moment and that it needs to go away and then it's making it hard for quote unquote real authors. And I took a little offense to that. And there was even this whole blurb in the TikTok about how if you are offended by that, I think I sent it to you. Um, yeah, you did. It's things like that. It's things like um, blaming an author for something their child did. It's things like calling people out for, if you like a book that's problematic, maybe ask the person, why do you like it or why is it your favorite? Do you understand it's problematic? Um, if you notice a person only talks about a certain type of author and you try to maybe broaden their horizons and they say, no, thank you, like maybe open dialogue before we all start throwing each other on the bus. Like, I guess that's what it all comes back to, really. Communication. Um, communication, yeah. And I know for some readers, um, and I would hate to say this for all and somebody be like, oh, that's a generalization. But for a lot of readers, um, some people don't do well with confrontation. Um, no, most readers are introverts by nature. They are. A lot are, yes. Um, and then there's people like me that we're kind of, we're, we're out there. Um, <laughs> I am an extroverted introvert because I also really just need days where like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to leave my home. Right. Um, but I, I, I actually, unlike an introvert, prefer to also be out and in, in around people and stuff. Um, but I think because of that, because of that introvertedness, um, that is alive in our community, I think some have gotten, uh, brave with TikTok and being behind a just being a face and a name behind a screen. Well, and I think this also goes back to the pandemic. A lot of people were in their houses with nothing to do, so they took up reading, and a yeah. lot of those were extroverts. For sure. And I think that's what's kind of bled into this. I'm not blaming extroverts for all of our problems by any means, yeah. but I think it's that push to be around people and mm -hmm. spilling the tea that is causing yeah. all of this. I would agree with that. Um, so I, I think the takeaway from all this is like communication is key. Number one. Um, so if somebody doesn't like a book that you don't like, or that you really, really love, I have noticed too, um, like I have a friend, you and I talked about this and we jokingly in text message together, like I won't, I don't mind saying this. I don't think you will either. I have a friend that hated Verity, which is a Colleen Hoover book. Um, hated Verity. She loves mysteries and th thrillers and all of that. And she said she figured it out. She didn't like it. She felt there were parts of the book that were unnecessary. Um, and she actually tried to read other works by Colleen and she didn't really care for them either. So that leads to me more as she probably doesn't care for her writing style, most likely. Yeah. Um, and that's just not the author for her. But and you and I jokingly were like, well, she's wrong. <laughs> I think when I texted you and I was like, I have a friend that hates it. And you were like, well, she's wrong. And we both said that. <laughs> like, that's a joke because you and I both love Colleen. We've met Colleen together. Actually, we've met Colleen. Um, her sister and I are actually friends. She's there to me. I love her. So, but I have noticed that if you, it seems like if you try to defend a book 
there it becomes less about communication and more about you're wrong, like yeah. in an evil sense. So I think communication and sometimes not saying anything is the best approach. And sometimes it's the hardest approach to take. It is because I have wanted to comment on some of these TikToks um, that I've watched for book talk. Oh, I had to hold back this morning when I saw that one about Colleen's son. I was like, don't do it, Bianca. Don't you do it. Because here at the end of the day, you and I both agree that if it happened, he needs to uh, proper consequences need to happen. I don't know what they mean by assault. There's a lot of um, different variations by of that. Like, did he punch someone? Yeah, that was did another thing is that uh, that person someone? was not clear on what assault was, but yeah. everyone took it to mean a certain way. Like, did you Ezra Miller somebody or did you Weinstein somebody? Yeah. There's a big difference in those two. Both wrong. Both very wrong. Um, But, like, I need more context. Like, if you're going to come out with this story, you need more context. Um, So I'm not saying that I don't believe this person or what happened is not correct. But if you were the third party go-between and it's not your child that this happened to or, like, someone that you directly... I don't know. I kind of almost feel like if your something happened to say you and Brad had a child and something happened to that kid and you came and told me in confidence and I was so angry because ain't nobody going to treat my kid you know, like that way. Aunt Miranda's going to bust some heads. And instead of like <laughs> getting details, I just went and like not even questioned the person that did it, but like questioned their mama and was like, why would you allow this? Like, that's what it sounds like has kind of happened. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is this person's parent but like I don't know it just seems toxic I could talk about this for a long time because there's a lot to unpack here in just this one little like statement that's been made I don't if it happened I truly feel sorry for the person this happened to I hope you get the justice you deserve I hope that um repercussions take place I hope you're healing and you're okay If it did not happen and someone chose to make this up or they thought that it happened and they made it up, um, shame on you and karma. Karma's real. It is real. So either way, I hope this like works out um, to the best for the parties involved. But it'd be toxic, man. Speaking of toxic. Yeah. Let's dive into our book this week. Yeah. So this month we kind of did what we did last month. We told you guys we're kind of playing around and we might switch back and forth on how we do things. Um, But this month we're going to stick to what we did last month as part of our spooky read season. Um, And we chose a book to read together. Now, this was a reread for me um, that is actually also going to turn into our adaptation minute. That is also one of my favorite movies. I watch it multiple times a year. Remind me, had you read this book before or you thought you had? I had not read the book, but I had seen the movie once. And in parts, right? Not fully through? No, I saw it fully. Okay, for some reason, I this whole time thought that you'd only seen it in like bits and pieces. No, I saw it once last year. Okay. So the book and movie in which we're referring to is Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman. Um, who it is, it does fall into the um, fantasy genre. It is published by Putnam Adult, so it is actually considered an adult fantasy novel. Um, and it was published on June 13th of 1995. I didn't do that before, but I thought that would be something to add to it. Um, 
you can look it up on Amazon and Goodreads. It does have 244 pages. Uh, currently, what is its rating on Goodreads? It has a 3.75 out of 5 on Goodreads. And that's with almost 9,500 reviews, so that's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, I could definitely see, um, let's see, one, two, three, four. So it has like three and a half stars, essentially, is what it is. Almost um, almost four stars. Yeah, it's like almost four full stars. Um, not bad, not bad, because you and I have a rating system. I think we talked about it uh, back in episode one. Where most pretty much everything we read gets four stars. Yeah. So that's pretty accurate. Um, Which I actually gave this one three. Oh, you did? Yeah. I'll explain later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so one. I, I, I did get one, it four. Let me just say, like, part of my reason for the only three stars is this book did not have chapters. It's no, broken it up into not. parts, and mm-hmm. the parts are very long. They are. And as someone who likes to just pick up a book and read five or six pages, I could not do that with this book, and it drove me insane. And we talked about that last time, too, the fluidity of reading, the chapter-to-chapter progression, and how you could – you prefer books where you pick it up, you can read a chapter, and you can lay it down. Um, and it is very hard to do that with this book because um, I will say, because it was a reread for me, I did the same thing that I did last time. I do have a physical, well, ebook copy of this. I have a physical copy of this in the United States, um, but I have an ebook copy with me here in Germany. And I decided to do the reread via audiobook because I can listen to audiobooks while I work. Um, and that was one of the things I also didn't like as well, because same thing, when I go to work, I'm usually there for about an hour and a half, two hours, um, at the most three. So I know that I can map out and be like, I can knock out this many chapters while I work. And I couldn't do that because it's broken down into only like five different sections. Uh, one, I think two, five or six. Hold on. I took, I took notes. Five. There was five okay. sections. Yeah. So it's broken down into five sections. Um, I did like the titles of the sections. I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, but, and they, it, yeah. It kind of set the tone for what you were getting. It did. Um, Now, we'll say this is book number one in this series. Um, There are actually two books that come prior um, to it that weren't written until many years later. As I mentioned, this came out in 1995. Um, I'd have to look up. The movie was pretty shortly after. It was. It was in the 90s. Yeah, 1998. 98. So that almost makes me wonder if it wasn't immediately picked up, which we have briefly discussed before, how a book can be It would have had to have been. Yeah, a book can be optioned, um, like, while it's still in production before it ever hits the shelves. And I'm thinking because the amount of time it used to take for a movie to, like, it's much... It was. It took much longer time then than it does now for movies to come out. Um, it seems like from start of production to end to theater to home and versus, you know, and so forth. Um, so I feel like this one would have possibly been optioned, maybe the minute it came out or while it was in publishing still. Yeah. Um, there is a point one is what they call it. So they have a book point one and a book point two. Um that happened prior to this, but were not written until 
Um, what's funny is point two was written in 2017 and point one was um, came out in 2020. And then there is a second book that follows this book. So book number two did not come out until 2021. Yeah. So that is a huge like jump. What's funny is the practical magic that's listed on Goodreads says it came out in 2003. That must just have been that specific reprint. Oh, it, it must does. have been that cover. It does says paperback reissue 286 pages, but it's like the official listing for Practical Magic on Goodreads. So um, it was apparently reprinted in 2000s. It was very popular. The movie is very popular as well. Um, Alice Hoffman, I really enjoy her writing style. Had you ever written or written? Have you ever read anything else that she had written before? No, I had known of her because uh-huh. when I worked at Barnes and Noble, her books right. were pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Um, whichever one came out in 2017, I remember when that one came out and women flooded the store to get that book. <laughs> I was one of them. <laughs> so that's what's also funny is you and I were in the same places at the same time for many years before we ever knew each other. Now that yeah. I think back on it, because you were at Barnes, like, yeah, yeah, for forever. Um, so if you don't know the story of Practical Magic, and I feel like most of you do, but if you don't, we're going to give a spoiler-free kind of synopsis and discussion of it, and then we're going to get into some spoilers and some irky things, because I won't lie, while I mentioned that I gave it four stars in my Goodreads, I have some problems, okay? (laughs) Um, so... Problems, you say? I do have some problems. Um, so when the beautiful and precocious sisters Sally and Jillian Owens are orphaned at a young age, they are taken to a small Massachusetts town to be raised by their eccentric aunts, who happen to dwell in kind of dark, mysterious. Um, they live in like the mysterious dark house of the town. Um, as they become more aware of their aunts' mysterious and sometimes frightening powers, maybe um, their own powers kind of begin to surface and the sisters grow determined to escape their strange upbringing by blending into normal society. Both find that they cannot elude their magic filled past. And when trouble strikes in the form of a menacing backyard ghost, the sisters must not only reunite three generations of Owen women, but embrace their magic as a gift and their key to a future of love and passion. This funny, haunting and shamelessly romantic practical magic book is bewitching entertainment. Um, and I feel like this is a really great Alice Hoffman introduction. Um, I've heard some of the snippets where this is at her spectacular best. I don't know about that, but it's a great introduction to Alice Hoffman and her writing style and sense of prose, if you say. So um, spoiler free review. Well, I'm going to let you go first. Um, spoiler free. First, like I mentioned, the book doesn't have chapters. It's split up into parts. Mm-hmm. And the parts are like anywhere from 40 to 60 pages long. So like I said, you need to, if you're like me, you need to devote a good chunk of time to sit down and read. Because you can't just pick it up and then go about your business. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I did not really care for was how the story was told. Mm-hmm. It was very narrative based and very descriptive. As I've mentioned, I'm not one to, I don't need to know the color of the roses and what the sky looked like. Like you can just say it was a dreary day. 
and we're good. I can picture a dreary day. I don't need to know the description of the clouds and how it interacted with the trees and how the shadows leaned against the house. I don't need all of that in my life. And Alice Hoffman, she has crafted it. She is very good at descriptions, but I just found myself skipping page after page after page because of how she went into these descriptions. But I will. So I, while I will agree with you, but from a sense of, I love that you don't, I also have a hate relationship with that because I've talked about how there are authors that I just can't, I can't read. I can't enjoy because they are so descriptive about something. She's one that I actually enjoy because, um, this this book deals with a lot of like mystical magical things and as someone that is really into those kind of things and is quite witchy herself I appreciated the description of what was taking place or what the yard looked like to make it really appeal to the emotion and the sense of um because that's a lot of things happen in this book because of emotions um so I kind I appreciated that, but I could understand where it would not be cared for. I do. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you were able to appreciate it. It just, it wasn't for me. <laughs> I'm with you though. I did not like the sections being broken down like they were. I do like the names of the sections. I thought that was really cool. It added to the, the magical part of it, uh, but I did not like how it was broken down. So like, this is this is I'll say this is still spoiler free. So the names of the parts, the first part is superstition, and it just mm-hmm. kind of gives the general background of what's going on in the story, where we are, who our players are, stuff like that. The second part is called premonitions, and then the third part is called clairvoyance, and the fourth part is levitation. So it just kind of sets you up for what you're going to get throughout the book. Right. Beyond that. Like I, said, <laughs> I heard it in her voice. I was like, oh, <laughs> like I said, it's very narrative based in that there's not a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of interaction between the characters. It's very much internal struggles. It was she Almost walked like a to the voiceover. car. Of she walked to the car you. and then yeah. she drove to the drugstore and then she picked up this bottle of toothpaste and then she read the ingredients on the toothpaste and then she went to the counter to yeah. check out like it was kind and of she did kind of she thought like you were playing sims yeah yeah almost like a narrator literally narrating like uh well like you know when you watch a tv show and the person's not saying anything there's no like dialogue but a narrator's being like and then they went to the blah 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 and they and they did this and what were they thinking? That's I I agree with you. It it was it was written kind of more like uh, somebody was narrating the lives of these women. Yes, and it it just kind of took me out of the story sometimes because we would be in one scene and something like very dramatic would be happening, and then the next it's just and they walked outside and they went their merry way and I'm like what did I skip something what happened? No, that's literally how it happened. It's all. And I, I, what I, I do have an appreciation for that, though, because I liked how, you know, sometimes in real life, something dramatic happens, and then it's over, and everybody just kind of, like, walks away, like, and you're like, wait, yeah. did that just really happen? Like, but I think that's where I could have appreciated some more communication. We're back to communication. There we go. <clears throat> between the characters, because there was not a lot of dialogue. It was all very much internal struggles that each character dealt with. It was. It was. 
I did appreciate though that it wasn't from different viewpoints because that happens a lot in books like that where it's more narrated and then you get like viewpoint person this, viewpoint person that. I'm glad that didn't happen. I had my fill of that in a book I read not long ago where each chapter was a different viewpoint. Yeah, no, it wasn't broken up like the first part was this character. Like you had different, you can still say there were different points of view within each part. It's just that it focused mainly on... Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like the two Sally women. was speaking and telling you her story and then Jillian was. It's There's a narrator and then they have these conversations, essentially. Yeah. It's the only way I know how to describe it. It's probably not a great description, but. You know. It was, it was, I hadn't read a book set up like this. So it was a good different, but it wasn't for me different. Okay. Um, anything else spoiler free? I don't think so. I think everything else I want to talk about is spoilers. Okay. Um, so I will say spoiler free really quick. Um, obviously I conversated with you there on most of my opinions and I agree or disagree with. Um, the other thing that I would add in is that because it was a reread for me and I'd read it so long ago, there were some things I had forgotten um, that I'll get into as we spoil things in a second that just kind of like irritated me. Um, and then I also noticed uh, I did not remember some things from this book. And I had moments where I was like, oh, man, this is a Bianca no-no. <laughs> there were a few Bianca no-nos. <laughs> there were some Bianca no-nos, but then it was strange. Um, and I'll get there in a second. So there were, like, I had forgotten that, number one. Um, and I, those, believe it or not, took me out of the book. I can see that. I, when those, when those things were happening, I was disinterested. That's what, it took me out because they seemed kind of jarring. Yes, yes, yes. It was almost, um, and I'm not a big, like, I'm for giving trigger warnings, but I'm not a big proponent of, like, trigger warning because I feel like if you need to be told there's one on every single thing, then, like, you should live in a bubble. And somebody's going to take offense to that, I know, I and I understand that. But does that make sense to you? Yeah, like, I understand okay. that. So that's kind of how I feel about like continuous trigger warnings. However, I had a moment when I was standing there listening to this that I was so glad I was do- using earbuds um, because I was listening to it um, throughout the week. I forget what I was doing, but one of the days I like got my energy back because I've been sick um, and I got my energy back. And I think I was actually texting you or something at the same time, but I decided I was going to like cook, cook dinner. And then in there I'm like chopping up everything and I'm making all the food. Um, and I was listening to it and I decided, you know what? Yeah. Normally when my husband's at home at work during the day, um, and my son's in his room doing his homeschool, I will just listen to my book, like just turn it on on my phone, um, while I'm working in the kitchen or whatever. Um, and for some reason I decided to put my earbud in and I was like, Caden came around the corner and was like, Hey, I need to ask you something. And I was so glad at that moment that I had the earbud in my ear because I was bothered by it and you know it takes kind of a lot to bother me and I don't want that to deter anybody from reading the book um but it was just a specific moment that well and I think it's kind of like with um like we discussed last time with Peregrine with like the the cursing took you out like because it didn't really fit I think I will say I did notice that while reading this one so there were some there was some cursing through the book and again I am a person that curses you do not um, this time I felt like it fit because it was part of the conversation. It was like when she was mad, she would use, um, like when they were having dialogue, they would use a curse word. Um, and it fit with what was happening and the emotions that were going on with the characters. 
So I did notice that. And I think I noticed it so much because the, the book that we just finished, um, because honestly, this one is coming out a little bit sooner for you guys than we normally do. So we haven't really, it's not really been that long ago that we recorded Peregrine. Um, so it's still really fresh. And you're right. The cursing in that one took me out, which made me think more about the cursing in this book when it started taking place. Um, for me, and you may disagree, but for me in this one, it felt like it worked. It was okay that it was present. Well, you took that another way than I was going to go, but okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, how are you going to go with it? Well, I was going to compare like the no-no scenes in Practical Magic. It takes you out because it doesn't really, to me, it didn't really fit with what was going on. Like we're reading a book about magic and how it works in the real world mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then you just have these scenes and they don't fit with what you're reading. Like right. you're when you start the book, you're kind of getting like a somewhat cozy vibe i'm not yes. gonna say completely cozy but it's just a fun fall read and then you get to these mm -hmm. scenes and it jars you so much it takes you out it of does. what's happening and i think it's also because one so for me one this was a reread and for you this was a read after watching the movie before right yeah and i think also with that kind of going ahead and diving into so we're probably going to start spoiling now as well as bringing in parts of the adaptation um, so if you don't want to be spoiled or anything, like turn us off, go read the book if you're interested or just skip ahead to full adaptation minute moment. Um, and we're glad you're here. Uh, but with that, I, I think it's, it's hard to not move forward and spoil. That's why I decided to do that. Um, I think part of it too, is you watch the movie and the movie is kind of wholesome and cozy. Um, yeah, like, I didn't get those vibes from the movie. That's why I was so surprised when reading the book. Or either I just don't remember it from the movie. I only saw it once. So I think I texted okay. you. <laughs> we were we were in I was on I think it was in the second part and I texted you. I was like, I don't remember Sally having children. <laughs> you were like Bianca. I did. I was like, really? Like, that's the, like one of the main parts of the whole story. I was like, look, she's like, we need to talk about this. Sally has kids. And I was like, that's like a main point of the movie and the book. Yes, Sally has kids. I just, for some reason, I did not remember that from the movie. And I even texted my friend Sarah the kind of the same thing. She yeah. was like, she was excited I was finally reading the book. And I texted her and she literally sent me a screenshot from the movie. <laughs> I was like, my bad. <laughs> I, I, Sarah, I feel you. I also was like, oh, excuse me, what? <laughs> Girl. <laughs> but maybe for you when you were watching the movie, whatever, whatever you were doing, like that was because I know because I know you and I know like how you described reading books. You remove things that you don't feel are important. Yeah, that is true. And so while I feel like the kids are a central part of everything, maybe you didn't really feel like that was the most important. So. Yeah, because like first and foremost, I would say beyond being just a fantasy book, I would say it's kind of a murder mystery. I would definitely like, say it's a murder mystery. Someone dies and yeah. oh, we're spoiling well, now. You're good. Yeah, you're good. Uh, someone dies. We, the readers, know what happened, mm -hmm. but other characters don't know what happened. So you're, it's kind of like, will they yeah. find out? Will they not find out what's going to happen? And that's what keeps you on the edge of your sheet, your so, sheet, <laughs> your sheet. Well, maybe you're on your bed. So it possibly is your sheet. You're not wrong. Like autocorrect the other day telling me what, like our conversation with Susan, we're autocorrect 
corrected me on something and I was like, that's not what I meant. And then I read what <laughs> autocorrect said and I was like, well, that could work though. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it was the edge of your sheet or your seat either way. So, but, so one of the things I didn't like about this book that I felt had to go into the spoiler section. So we started out with them talking about Sally and Jillian and introducing us to them and living with the sisters and basically kind of how they're persecuted their whole life because everyone in the town is willing to come to the sisters when they need something, when they want something, right? They want to be in love or they want this person to pay attention to them or they they can't have a child and they want one. Like they list all these different things that the ants can do for them because they are witches. Um, and like you mentioned, it is witch in the practical world, like in the normal world, practical magic. Um, like it was if like like really do help you through herbs and tonics and things like that. So everyone was afraid of them, but so they wouldn't even like walk past the house. They wouldn't play with Sally and Jillian. And that led them to want to get away from that. That that led them to, they didn't want their children. Well, it led them to even forming a sister pact between themselves saying that they would never let anything come between them as sisters. And coincidentally, like most things, when you make a pact, what happens? It gets broken. It gets broken. Something comes between them, but something always brings them back together. Um, and this time it is a murder, an accidental murder, but a murder nonetheless. Um, if you've watched the movie, it's just like in the movie where she gives him, um, is it Wolfsbane? I should know this. I should know this. I thought it was something along the lines. It wasn't lavender, but it was something like lavender. It's, it is. It's close. It's one of those like um, in small doses. Um, yeah. can just be like uh, a knockout tool, but in large doses. And if I remember correctly from my herbalism, um, because it is something I practice, um, it actually isn't something that you should ingest. Like it's not a good idea. You can anyway. Um, so she's been giving her boyfriend small doses. Doses. <laughs> it's catching. It's catching. <laughs> Words are hard. Because um, he's a bad man. He's a very bad man, which we will listen to that scene that jarred me so much. In some ways, I understand the need for it, but I felt like it was too far after what had happened. So he's not a good person. And she at first didn't realize that. Which Jillian hops around from person man to man. Um, they they The way they describe her sometimes almost makes it sound like I would almost have wished they had made it sound like she was more of empowered and less of naive, easy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I think that's what the author was trying to do at first. Because I don't think it worked, though. They just made her sound Because when, when the author is describing their high school years, it sounds like Jillian is just kind of in charge and can just kind of choose whoever she wants. Like, her part of her magical abilities is basically just to charm people, for yeah, lack she of a just better has word. This charm and charisma that and people are drawn to her. Drawn to. And there are people like that. I'm sure you have somebody that you're like, I don't know why I like them so much, but I really like them. Yeah. It's because they have this like they this charm or charisma or um even just um oh, crap, what's the word I'm looking for? It's an easy word. It's just eluded me. Um Anyway, we'll keep going. But so we're getting this picture of Jillian just being kind of this confident like person in huge, high school. Yeah, confidence. That's what it is. Like she has this, she exudes this confidence. Thank you. It's an easy word. I forgot it. And then after high school, she kind of. Like she's the extrovert. Sally's the introvert. 
Yeah. Jillian kind of leaves and kind of hates her hometown and says, I'm never coming back back here. And so she kind of hops around. And then I feel like that's not what someone who is that confident would do. That's my, and I think that's my point because they talk about how she's all, but she's been married like five times. It makes her sound like she's a person that's like never happy. And I am a sex positive person. So I don't like calling, like if I call you a slut, it's because you stole my food. It ain't because of your sexual preferences. Okay. So let me just put that out there first. So like, I felt like though it was doing, I think the author was trying to give Jillian power, but I felt like sometimes it turned into, for lack of better phrase, slut shaming and I'm not here for that because I think there's an empowerment that needs to be understood whether you're um you know whether you're a very religious person or not there is nothing wrong with sex like there's nothing wrong with it it's just how you choose to discuss it and all of those things right so I think like being a positive now we do have to take into mind that this was written in 1995 or published in 1995 so I hate the people, I I hate the people that do this, but I'm also that person where you have to look at it and be like, okay, well, it was written. And she could have written it like in the eighties for all we know. I don't know when she actually wrote it, but it was published in the 90s. Well, do you know who I pictured when I was reading Jillian? Who? I pictured um, Forrest Gump's Jenny. Yeah. And they do depict Jenny in a bad light. They depict Jenny to come like they do after, you know, when he comes back. And they talk about how, well, she's gone out and done this and done that. They make her look bad. Yeah. Like, they're both just kind of nomads just searching for themselves, basically. There's a song. I can't think of the artist's name right now, but I absolutely love this song. And it's called I've Got No Roots. It's like No Roots. I've Got No Roots. Oh, yeah. Alice Alice somebody. Yes. I love that. And that's what I think of. But, like, that's what I think of Jillian to be. Right. Like, she's very... um, hippie and flowy and she, because she is magical she's just very like you know what I have the ability to go over here now and I want to go do this and I don't think there's anything wrong with that I just didn't like how they started out portraying her like she's this confident body positive like sex positive person to turning her into this <clears throat> shameful later abused woman um I, I didn't like that um for one um, but it turns out that he is a really bad man and she's been slowly giving him this herbal tonic so that she could basically, and they basically make it sound like she does this so she can stomach having an adult relationship with him. Yeah. Which like it's the only thing that gets her through, which is horrific. Right. <clears throat> um, and she shows up, um, with him dead basically in the car to Sally who lives, she's raising her children far, far away from the ants. She doesn't go near them. Um, she wants her children to have a good life. She doesn't want them to be shunned by the children. And she just shows up. And it's been years because her daughters are teens. Um, and her daughters at this point is the side story. They're coming into their power and charm. And originally, the oldest one is supposed to have all this charm and charisma. And it turns out that it's actually the youngest one that's like Jillian. And the oldest one's more like Sally. When yeah. the whole time they've been living reversed. Um, And that creates some tension in the household. Um, But Jillian shows up to Sally's and she's like, "Um, I need some help. You know, basically there's a little tit for tat at first um, because apparently there's also this letter that they never say what was in it. But she had written Sally and never sent. Um, That was a confusion, too, because they say she never sent it. Right. But then we get to the end of the book and this guy shows up with the letter she wrote. 
Yeah. So I was kind of confused about that. Because she was like, that it was never sent and now she'll never read it. And I was like, okay, so is there a second letter? I don't understand. I did not understand that. Um, but so essentially what happens is just like in the movie, they, you know, Sally helps her bury him out back under the lilac bushes. Um, and things start happening. Magical, crazy things start happening to this lilac bush and the people in the area and things. And Jillian stays with them. Um, but what I find strange is, so that takes place, right? At the beginning, it's more about, like, them growing up and how they were different. And then it makes you seem like, oh, well, now it's going to be a story about Sally raising her daughters to not be in that. Yeah, um, you don't really get to the plot of the story until you're almost, yeah. like, a little over halfway through the book. And then the whole, yeah. Like you, I thought I was just getting, like, okay, we're getting the life story of these women. And that's not what we got at all. Right. And as someone that has seen the movie a bunch of times, even though this was a reread for me, I was like, okay, does this book actually have nothing to do with the movie? Was it just they liked the story of this family and decided to create a movie? Because, again, I did not remember some of the stuff from this book. Um, And the other thing is the Bianca Nono parts that we're in talk about here now um, and the thing that jarred me um, was – They've already said that she was drugging him to get through adult time, right? They've already said that. So that already gave you the implication of kind of what person that he is. Yeah. But then, like, then life goes on. He's underneath the lilac bushes. The frogs are appearing that bring his ring in. Like, all the weird things that, not to gloss over them, but if there's any that you want to talk about. But, like, the girls, the two sisters, or two, yeah, the two sisters that are Sally's daughters are having this tumultuous relationship now. Sally and Jillian are now having this tumultuous relationship all under the same roof. So that's all happening, right? Well, and it's all because Jimmy is buried in the backyard. Yeah, all of his... right bad attitude or whatever you want to call it it's seeping into their house yes and it's basically leeching off of them right and then um we find out that kylie the youngest of sally's daughters she is able to see jimmy yes she looks out back and can see him she's also the one that the toad isn't she also the one the toad presents jimmy's ring to Yes. Like uh, animals like her. It's like she, so it's proving to you she has the charisma that her Aunt Jillian has. Um, but that's where it goes, right? So we're then we're talking about that and him being buried in the back and all that. And then suddenly it's like, boom, we jump to, no, he was really bad. He was so bad that. And then it goes into like how he would actually manhandle her and treat her. And for yeah. all intents and purposes, he was raping her. Yeah, we get very intense graphic yeah. scenes. Which I felt like it was just fine before saying, like, I was drugging him to make it easier. Like, and I got it. Like, I got what she meant. And that was enough. Like, then they go into this graphic explanation that happens, I felt like, much further away. And maybe and maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was closer to when he she actually showed up with Jimmy. Um, And the only thing that I can think is that the author inserted that as kind of like a, I don't want to say therapy moment, but maybe it was showing that Jillian was working through what she had been through, but the readers don't need that. No, I didn't. I didn't. 
Um, I also felt like um, kind of not the opposite of you, but a little bit differently. I also felt like maybe she was trying to punch home just how horrible he is. That would prove to you why all of his negative energy and aura is seeping into the house. And I was like, okay, I get because she does like again. So the um, in the movie, the guy that shows up that is, you know, looking for Jimmy, because that's the thing is Jillian's like, no one will come looking for him. No one will come looking for him. And actually, he was into even more nefarious things than just what he, how he was treating Jillian. And he was being looked for because he was a suspect um, in several college students' deaths because he was selling them drugs that um, – and the drug that he was selling them was one of those that, like, most of the time people can do it two or three times, but that's it. It's going to kill you. Like, it's going to kill you. No, no questions asked. Um, and he knew this, and he was selling it to these kids and didn't care. He had no care. Um, but he even comes and tells some sort of story about how he knew, um, I don't know if he's telling it. And so that was the other thing. There was one where they're telling more stories about Jimmy. I I didn't know who was telling it, the narrator, the investigator or Jillian. Okay. It's the one where they're talking about how he was just shooting prairie dogs with his friends and it disturbed Jillian because of the way he did it. I think that was the narrator showing Jimmy's backstory. Yeah, which, again, happened much later. It's, like, almost at the very end of the book. Yeah. It's almost the very end. And the other thing is, by the way, guys, the ants are only mentioned throughout this. Like, they're only mentioned. They're not present right now. They've not been present. Yeah, they were only present at the very beginning and very end of the book. They are not present since the girls left Massachusetts. And they literally show up in, like, the last, I'd say, 30 minutes of the book. Yeah. Because they finally realize that they have to take care of Jimmy again in the sense of he can't stay back here in this yard. Yeah. He can't. Which at one point, Sally thought she had fixed it. She went to the backyard and she basically just mowed down the lilac. Yeah. Plants. Almost like a banishing, like if he can't help them grow, because they were turning into, like, they were growing and growing and growing into these beautiful, like, it even says, like, scientists were coming to study them because they shouldn't have been growing anymore. Um, No one, but because they lived away from the ant's house, no one suspected anything magical or mystical. They were all, like, they joked and said something about Sally must have a magical touch, but no one ever, like, called her out. And that was Sally's comfort is that she didn't want to be known as this weird mystical person. Um, it says it even goes so far as to say she went, she removed herself from even eating meat. Like there are vegetarians in this book. They're yeah. not vegan, um, but they're vegetarian. Um, and Jillian brings meat back into the house. And that's another thing. It's like Jimmy's presence is causing so much turmoil. Um, I just didn't like how the story was almost over. And then we keep talking about, oh, well, he also did this, and he also did this, and he also did this. I felt like all of that would have, and you could have easily cut it out and moved it to a different spot in the book and still had yeah. it if that's if the author still wanted it in there. And, yes, I did still give it four stars because, overall, I enjoyed the book a lot. Um, it was a reread, and I would continue with the series, and I would go back and read the um, the, the prequels, basically. So, to me, that's why four instead of three. But I don't like some of the things that took place here. I also think for me, because the movie is so beloved to me, that I was, this is the first time in my life where I was like, but that's not right. <laughs> Usually it's the opposite, <laughs> you know? 
Um, and the investigator, he doesn't show up until like the very end. Yeah, because I was waiting for this for the investigator. His name is Gary. I was waiting for him to come to the house. Yes. And it literally was in like the last few pages he finally showed yeah. up. And I was like, well, what the crap? Yeah, he shows up at the very end. And then, honestly, there was a scene between him and Sally because Sally decides she can't take it anymore. She's just going to go be honest with Gary. She finds out what hotel he's at because he kind of senses like it's not that he blames them for anything because he knows this guy's a bad man. And he, he just glad. knows that they know something. Right. He is glad that Jillian got away from him. Like He is very glad because of what he's done to other people. Um, but he just feels like they know something, like you said. So he leaves his business card and says, I'll be staying at this motel. And Sally tracks him down and decides that she's going to tell him. Like, the reason I know he's not coming back is because he's dead. We killed him. It was an accident. I buried him under the lilacs. Like, I don't want to go to prison. Like, please just save my sister. Um, but she needs him to know. There's something in her that she can't. It, it's like she's she can't tell a lie, basically, I think is what it boils down to. She's supposed yeah. to be this. She's the truthful good girl. Yeah. And so she is struggling with this and she knows that there might be repercussions, but he was a bad person and she needs him to know, like, he's not coming back. Stop looking for him. Um, so she goes, but then they randomly start making out in their car. Well, yes. And there, and it does say there's like this weird pull and attraction that they've had with each other since like the moment he saw her. Yeah. But that moment was literally a couple of hours before, like like this scene just felt very forced. It felt very forced and it felt very gross. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was not a, a well-written scene. <laughs> I am a spicy lo- I am a spicy lover. And I did not like this. Again. Well, because well, I think the reason that it felt gross is because. I felt like I'm a voyeur. I, do what? I felt like a voyeur. Oh. <laughs> like, I, I well, know I did. Like, I like I was not supposed to be part of that. Like, oh, yeah. Is it felt like we were looking into something that we weren't supposed to see, but it mm-hmm. also, okay. So I think the author was trying to give Sally a bit of that charisma that Jillian has where or like show that she was gaining it from all, after all these years, like she yeah. actually did have that. In but her. it just came all of a sudden in this one particular instance. And you're just like, this isn't Sally. Like, no, what is it's going not on? because like she is an assistant. She is the principal's assistant. So she's not an assistant principal, but she's like his um, secretary for the high school. And she talks about how she loved taking this job because then her summers were for herself. They do talk about the ants because apparently she takes the girls at least one month out of the year every year. And she goes and takes them to the ants. Um, it talks about how she hasn't dated, um, that she's just very kind of meek almost. Um, and that she is about, you know, being a good mother. They have a very balanced routine. They go to bed at the same time. They don't eat meat. She gardens like and they, they, they're, it's almost like they're trying she's to make, wholesome. she's very, yeah, she's very <laughs> wholesome, not boring, but wholesome. And the reason she keeps this tight structure is because the ants had no structure. They were, they talk about how like, you don't have to go to bed till after midnight and you can eat whatever you want and blah, blah, blah. And so she feels like keeping this tight grip on like what she considers reality that she won't like slide into like the unknown abyss of magic that made her feel so horrible and shunned so i get it but because she's been described that way for now three-fourths of the book right 
Yeah. Suddenly she's a floozy in a car making out over a bucket of hot chicken and keeps talking about how she just wants to rip his clothes off. Yeah, it's like very Whoa, out now. of place, out of character. It yes. just it didn't fit. No, I agree with you. Um, and again, people are gonna be like, Really? And you gave it four stars? I did. Because the <laughs> overall the overall story I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the characters. Um I like it showing that, you know, families fall out, but they come back together. And that, you know, just because, and and, and it also showed, like, the generational problems. Like, you know, every generation tries to do better than the other. And that's what is happening here. She wants so badly to be better than her aunts were. And her aunts weren't bad people. That's the other thing. They were not bad people. They were just doing what they thought was best. So now Sally's doing what she thinks is best and her daughters are thinking she's ridiculous and they know what's best yeah there's a lot of tension especially after kylie the youngest after she turned 16 there's a lot of tension between Mm -hmm. her and her mother sally yes i think and i think it's because she's afraid she's going to be jillian yeah when they describe it more like the um is antoinette Antonia. Antonia. I kept saying Antoinette for some reason. Antonia seems like she would be Jillian, but it, she's not. Well, and she's even angered by this because she thought she was Jillian, too. Yeah. Not specifically. Like, they don't say, like, I thought I was going to be like Aunt Jillian. It's more well, like their um, how they portray themselves. Well, and I think the that's where the resentfulness becomes comes in because without Jillian stepping in I think Antonia would have taken more of a Jillian role mm-hmm. but once Jillian moved into the house Jillian took a liking to Kylie and kind of for lack of better phrase worked her magic with Kylie and yeah. got Kylie out of her shell and showed her she could be more than what she was doing right so I think Antonia was like resentful that Kylie got her aunt's attention and she didn't. Yeah, I think that would be hard, too, because I think, you know, they only they were hardly ever around their aunt. They talk about that, too. So this is the first time they've actually really been around her, around her. Um, And the reason there's no father present. And that's another reason that that makes Sally's character who she is. Um, She was married. She fell in love um, young. They actually lived together in the top floor of the aunt's house and had a wonderful family, had good structure. um, And he was. Um, killed in a car accident. Um, He was walking down the road and was accidentally hit by some teenagers who just made some bad decisions. And I think that's the other thing is she doesn't want her kids to be those teenagers. I think uh, they never say that, but that's what I kind of gathered out as a mother. That's where I was going with it too. Cause she's always so adamant. like, where are you going? Who are you with? What are you doing? Which most parents are, but Sally is a little above that in a way. Yeah, she's much more involved. Yeah, and I think it's because she doesn't want her kids to turn into the teenagers that killed her husband and took her husband and their father away from them. So, and that's just something I got out of it. That's just a mean thing. Um, But it it was, I will say as far as sliding into the adaptation really quickly, I think this is one time where I enjoyed the book more. I mean, the, the movie more than the book. Yeah, I would um, definitely because I won't. I don't see myself rereading this book, but I will gladly watch the movie. Right. And rewatch the movie. Um, the difference is, and the ants do show up at the end. We really didn't talk about that because they don't play a major role. But I'm wondering if they do in book two later. 
Um, because I have not ever read book two. I read the one they, I read. It's like one of the prequels before, or I bought one of the prequels and read most of it. I, I remember. I don't remember it either though. So, um, cause what did you say? It was like 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the ants, uh, sorry, it muted me again. The ants do show, um, up at the end and they do become helpful in making sure Jimmy is completely gone. They all kind of go back to Massachusetts and realize the ants house wasn't so bad and being together as a family isn't actually a bad idea. Um, and they all seem happy, um, at least when we, when we end the book and you could end it right there. Right. Yeah. I liked the ending. Like it had a mostly happy ending. Yeah. It wrapped everything up nicely and everyone ended up with their love interests. So. Yeah. Cause she, um, Sally's if now with Gary. If that's your definition of happy, you'd be happy yeah. with it. <laughs> Sally's now with Gary. There is a love interest that Jillian has that we didn't really talk about, but he's kind of more to show that Jillian is changing. Um, so I really didn't talk about him much because yes, he's important, but I didn't think he was that integral a part of a story. I felt like he was kind of like a separate plot. Yeah. Um, but it's very interesting. And I had some questions about him. They make comments about him that I feel like maybe he also is magic. See, I don't, I didn't get the vibe that he was magic. I think he was just so. But did you not hear? Taken. No, it was um things that he would do when he would, he could go to that one diner, like religiously, right? Like pri even prior to meeting Jillian. Um, and they said he would do things like light the candles without, with just the click of his hand or something. Well, he was a magician. Like he did, like yeah, but he was like I, a kid's magician. I wonder if he himself though is like the sisters and is magic, and we just haven't gotten to that yet. Or maybe they were alluding to it, or maybe she was toying with the idea of it in book one. But years later, because again, I haven't read book two. I I plan to. I am interested in seeing. Um, where it goes from here, but um, th there was that that I thought was a whole nother like subplot that could be explored. I didn't get that vibe, but I'll go with it if you did. <laughs> well, no, if you didn't, that's fine because you can two people can read the same book and get totally different things out of it. Like yeah. two people read a poem and you ask like, what was it about? And you could be like, oh, it was about love and getting married under the sunset. And I could be like, oh, it was about death and, you know, divorce. <laughs> and we could both be right. So, um, yeah, I kind of there was an undertone of like maybe he. Like, yes, he's a children's magi magician, but maybe he's magic like the girls are. Because if they are, then there are other people out there that are as well. I mean, that is true. I mean, because I think they mentioned uh, the uh, ant's coven at one point or something. Like, they I don't just, remember I mean, that. I could be wrong, but I thought at one point they just kind of grazed over it talking about dancing under the moon with their friends, like with the girl, it was something that like at the very beginning when they're talking about the girls growing up, Jillian and Sally, maybe mm -hmm. I'm wrong. Um, I read like another witchy book too. So maybe it was from there. I don't know. <laughs> but I like, this is an instance where I do like the movie better. Um, it makes sense to me that they chose the actresses that they did to play Jillian and Sally. They work very well. Um, the difference is, Obviously, the investigator shows up way earlier. They live with the ants the entire story of. Um, but Jillian has been gone. 
That is yeah. one thing that stays the same. She got away and was gone. The same thing is true that, you know, Sally did have a husband um, and he died. I don't remember how he died in the movie because they don't really talk about it much. It's just that she was married. She's been in mourning this whole time. She is so strict, but she the difference is she's doing all the things that she does in the book, but she still lives with the aunts. She didn't move away from them. She just kind of changed when he died. Um, so the investigator- well, she kind of pulled a, we're going to talk about Twilight every episode, I Probably. feel like, but Probably. she kind of pulled a Bella in that she just kind of checked out for a little while. She but wasn't they, present. Well, in the book, uh, after he died, they said she basically doesn't speak for like a year. And the yeah. aunts kind of help her do everything with the girls. Um, and it's something that happens <laughs> in that year at a park that's kind of, kind of insignificant. Uh, I really didn't think it was that big of a deal. But um, Antonia goes to return the ball to some kids and they basically all run away from her and won't even come near her. And that like snaps her out of it somehow. Yeah. Uh, There's also like geese involved. I don't know. It was okay. Whatever. Um, But like there were some strange parts of this book. Okay. So like this whole like incident is what snapped her out of like not speaking for a year after her husband's death. And she decides basically like the next week she packs the kids up and is like, that's it. We're gone. And I was like, what? That was just like, I understand. And maybe she just saw herself in her childhood. And that's all she needed to see to be like, I can't do this to my kids. Um, But so the, you know, Jillian does live away. She comes back and she does have dead Jimmy. Um, Dead Jimmy is a bad guy, but he doesn't do that bad thing. Like he's bad. And he, they allude that he smacks her around and stuff. Um, and he's just not a good person. But they never tell you that there's rapey stuff going on. Or maybe I just love this movie so much I pretend it's not there. I don't remember that being in the yeah, movie. But I, I've I only seen it once. Like so. Abusive. He's abusive. So maybe it's just one of those like you're supposed to know that. And same thing. She accidentally kills him. But when she shows back up at home and is like, I need help. It's not just with Sally. It's also with the ants. Yeah. So there's a lot that happens. Um, there's margarita night that's happening, but it's the same thing where, again, the flowers are being crazy and growing. So that is the same. But again, the ants are present. The investigator shows up way sooner and he and Sally are slowly falling in love. It's very if you've seen anything that Sandra Bullock did in the 90s, it's very much any of her love story movies that she's done in the 90s. Yeah, it's a, it's a good Sandy movie. She, yeah, she slowly falls in love with him. And at the end, she's happy. Um, so this is one time where I would say love the movie more than the book. Yep, movie's better. Movie's better. Would you continue the series or read the prequels? No, I would not. I think you already said that, but I had to ask. I think I would, um, but it's the tone, um, the overall magical tone. And I think some of the prequels talk about um, prior Owens generations. So I would like to see like how they got to there. Um, Cause I think they're about the ants. I would like to know more about the ants. I thought I enjoyed them. What part they were in the book. I hated um, that they kind of were made out to be the bad guys when they really did nothing wrong. They were presented with two orphan children that they gladly took in. But it's like every time Sally talked about it, it's almost as like she there's one point, I don't know if you remember this, but there's one point Jillian or Sally one is thinking to themselves like, well, I always towed the line. Oh, it is Sally. I always told the line and did what I was supposed to do because they could, they didn't, uh, what if they didn't want us? 
you know, they could have gotten rid of us at any time. They weren't obligated to us. And I was like, it seems to me like they showed you your whole childhood, how much they loved you. Yeah. It's just some people perceive love different ways. They do. They do. And maybe she was still so, I think she was still very scarred by her parent, losing her parents as well, which was also a car accident. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Overall, you said you gave it three stars. Um, You've explained how you felt about this book, but why did you give it three stars? Um, it just, it wasn't for me. It was, okay. I can appreciate it for what it is. It's just not a Bianca book. Um, like I, I did enjoy the movie and mm-hmm. I will rewatch it. I have yes. no problems with that. I just won't reread the book. Current plans at this moment. Um, if we can make it happen, cause a lot of crap happens that we just are out of our control. Current plans is that you can join us hopefully in the coming weeks over on stream lounge um, to watch this, do a live watch of this with Bianca and I together. We've never done a live watch before you have done live watch um, with our friend Jenny. Um, You guys have a podcast where you do live watches together and that usually consists of movies that you've never actually seen before. Yes. That is Bianca's first time. We like to pick on Bianca because there are a lot of movies Bianca has never seen before. Well, it's a part of life. It is a part of life. It's a part of life. Everybody grows up different. That's all right. Um, But if it all goes well, you guys could join us in Stream Lounge in a couple of weeks. Um, Not only is it the first live watch Bianca and I will be doing together, but it'll also technically be part of what is currently going on as our PTBN Halloween. If you are new here, this is something that I have done for the past three-ish years um, with the hashtag PTBN. Halloween. It's kind of along the same concept as 31 Nights of Halloween that is done by Freeform, former ABC family. And I make a list of 31 movies that I recommend you watch throughout the month of October. And every day over in our Place to Be group on Facebook, I will um, drop a little blurb about each one for the day. Um, And Practical Magic just happens to be on the list. So um, just spoiler, Practical Magic will always be on the list for as many years as I do this. So there's that. Um, so we're kind of going to treat it as a not only a Bells with Books live watch edition, but we're also going to treat it as a um, place to be Halloween, 31 Nights of Halloween watch as well. So hopefully um, you can follow along on that as well. We will post um, in the group and on the place to be Facebook page. Um, as well as our own private um, Instagrams the night that we're going to do that. So you can join us on Streamlatch. Um, books, 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 books. Oh, any other adaptations you want to talk about? Because technically we're in Adaptation Minute. So are there any other adaptations that you would like to share with the folks this month? I don't think so. I'm kind of behind on adaptations, though. Yeah, I think I am as well. I just finished um, All That Is Available. Because uh, it's a, it's ending this season, Riverdale. Um, it's ending this season that it's actually going to be. I didn't be, know it was ending. It is ending. I believe this is season six. Um, they have chosen to end it with this season, season six. Um, and it's coming back as a mid, uh, mid-season mid show this year. So I have just completed everything that is physically out. So season six has not even started airing yet. Um, that is a loosely based on the uh, on the uh, Jughead Archie uh, Betty Veronica uh, comics. Um, I know a lot of people that hate it. Uh, I love it. I love a good angsty teen drama. And they took a twist in this past season that kind of took it to another direction. 
so I've enjoyed it, but that's really the, I'm with you. That's really the only adaptation I've even touched. Like, yeah. but I do have some recent reads slash recent uh, acquisitions that I can discuss. Perfect. So I let you start with your reads. Either you are currently reading them, or you have just finished or whatever. Um, so after I finished Practical Magic, I wanted to continue in my spooky slash autumnal reads, as I will call it. So I read The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this book. Um, it's very lighthearted. It was a quick and easy read. Like, imagine, imagine like a rom-com, but set in like a spooky vibe. Okay. That's how this was. Um. The premise is that Florence can see ghosts, but mm-hmm. her ghosts are not like spookyfied. They're so just, they're not the they, ghosts from a book I read for episode like two. It's just they're no, there. Okay. No, um, they look almost real. Sometimes she can't distinguish if they're ghosts or not. But um, she finds out that her dad has died, and she goes back home to help with his funeral. Side note: her family owns the funeral home. Oh, that's okay. That would make sense. That would make sense. Yes. Um, So she goes back home and she starts seeing this ghost from where she's currently living. She's from NYC. And she sees the ghost of this man that she's met all of two times and he's following her. And typically when ghosts follow her, they want or need something to help them move on. But they can't figure out why because he doesn't really have any unfinished business. Okay. Um, that's the basic premise of the book. I think I gave it either four or five stars. I forget which one, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would, I don't know if I would read it again, but it's staying on my bookshelf. I loved it. Nice. Um, and it's on a recent kick of, I don't know how many rom-coms you've read in the past, I'll say two years, but a lot of the basic rom-coms, they base their main male character off of a certain Star Wars person. Yes, you're talking about the Kylo Ren fascination? Yes. He gave very much Kylo Ren vibes. That has been said. Of, you are correct. I have not read as much rom-com as I have in the past, uh, in this past little bit. But I have noticed a lot of people, like there was one book, I can't remember the exact name about it. Oh, I think it's The Love Hypothesis. Yeah, I loved that one. You loved that one. I own it, but I haven't read it yet. Um, I bought it from the wonderful ladies at Love Sweet Arrow, one of the U.S.'s only, there's only like three all romance bookstores. Um, I ordered it from them because you were like, oh, it's amazing. So I ordered it from them, but I haven't touched it yet. Um, but I remember watching a TikTok where the lady was like, oh, it's Kylo Ren fan. It's a Ray Kylo Ren fan fiction. I was like, no, it's not. And everybody was like, no, it is. And I was like, it is. Oh. Well, there's a now, lot of I books that say... people, like swear like, oh, this was fan fiction of this. And I was like, what is? I liked it. I won't say this one's a fan fiction per se, but he definitely draws inspiration from Kylo Ren. I think a lot of... Let me not say Kylo Ren. I'll say Adam Driver. Okay. 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 Well, you know, Adam Driver has had several roles in the last few years that, you know, give off certain vibes. So, okay. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. A lot of his roles have given off certain vibes. But it was cute, quirky, a little different. I recommend it. 
Um, and then for my next read, I'm going to do the Library of the Dead. I've had it on my TBR for a hot minute, and I have my bookmark in place to start it. So I'm very excited about that. And then a pre-order that I had finally came in. It is called The Ballad of Never After by Stephanie Garber. Mm-hmm. Um, it is technically the second in this series, but this series is a spinoff of her main series. So they're all kind of intertwined. So if you want to get really technical, I guess this could be book six. Okay. Seven. Oh, no, she has a lot in that other series. So, yeah, those are my recent reads and acquisitions. Okay. What about you, Miranda? I, I also do not have very many right now. Um, I think I'm not, I'm not certain because I have been trying to read, but I, I feel like I have hit a slump, um, which one of the TikTokers I mentioned earlier talked about um, Meg's tea room. She, I was going through a slump and then she had just happened to post this, like it's going to happen. And here's the best things that you can do to get through it. And one of the things is, just stop, put the book down. You'll be ready when you're ready. If you're, you know, if you're someone like me and you, Bianca, and probably those listening to us, you've been a reader your whole life. Um, so if you are going through the book slump, I recommend the same thing that she's doing. Uh, she's that she recommended. It's actually something I recommended before I saw her say that. And that's just put the book down. When you're ready, you'll be ready. Um, but at the same time, I have this deep want to, as you said, go through the all the autumnal things. Um, so I have one that I finished um, that is a graphic novel. I think it could be, um, I found it in the new section of the library. So I don't know if it's actually supposed to be in YA or adult, um, but it's called What Unites Us, the graphic novel. Reflections on Patriotism. It's written with Dan Rather, Elliot Kirshner, and art by Tim Foley. I actually sent you a picture of it. Caden and I both read it. Caden was like, oh, that was cool because it's things throughout history. There are some things in here that some people might yell at me and say they find problematic and not explained um, thoroughly. I do agree. Um, but overall, I felt like it was a really good introduction to different things that have happened throughout U.S. history. Um, it was very interesting. There's an, uh, like the, ch it's broken down into chapters, even though it's a graphic novel, there's exploration as the name of one of the chapters community. Um, and it was written based on, everybody knows who Dan Rather is. Um, but he had written different, what am I trying to say? Not papers, but just different articles and stuff uh, throughout his time as a journalist about America and different things. So it takes from those um, like chapter one is what is patriotism? I really enjoyed it. Apparently there are more books in this series. One is about reconstitution. One is fault lines in the constitution. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. It covers things from the JFK assassination to the AIDS crisis and even the Iraq war. Um, if you are someone that can read graphic novels, because I know some people are like, that's not my cup of tea, I would highly recommend it. Um, it's part of the World Citizen Comics collection, and you'll be proud of me. I picked it up in paper, in uh, hardback from the library. What? Yeah. But this, this, uh, it opens and closes like I like in a paperback, though. It was great. Like, the pages stay down when I open it. Oh, okay. That's maybe nice. nice. Maybe, maybe nice. So I actually read that one. I really enjoyed it. 
Um, another graphic novel that I read was actually over in the kids like mid grade section. And I don't care. The title was freaking hysterical. So on one of the days I went to the library, I picked it up actually in the mind of I thought Caden would find this funny. So let me get it. And then the other day I was trying to do that. I want to read, but I'm not quite there. Um, and it's called Ham Helsing, number one, Vampire Hunter. Yes. Did you say Ham Helsing? I said Ham Helsing, Vampire Hunter. Yes, <laughs> I did. He is a pig, um, a monsters on the hunt. And this, gr- this graphic novel basically goes through um, and it is inspired by obviously the legendary monster slayer van helsing ham helsing though is the descendant of a long line of adventurers and monster hunters who don't often live to rest on their laurels ham has always been the odd pig out though preferring to paint or write poetry instead of inventing dangerous and dumb new ways to catch dangerous creatures his brother chad was the daredevil carrying on the family legacy of leaping before looking but after his death it's down to ham Reluctantly, he sets out on his first assignment to hunt a vampire, but Ham soon learns that people aren't always what they seem and that you need a good team around you to help you save your bacon. Not save the bacon. No, save your bacon. Cause he oh, is, okay. Yeah, save your <laughs> bacon. Um, I don't do this very often. I gave this book five stars. <laughs> it was so Freaking funny. It is uh, classified as uh, young readers. It's by Crown. It's published by Crown Books for young readers. It actually was just published June 1st of 2021. It is 240 pages long. So it is kind of long for a um, children's middle grade graphic novel. So freaking funny. It teaches a good little lesson, like they said, about um, not just assuming who a person is based on what you've been polled about how they could possibly be or where they're from or what their identity is um i really enjoyed it caden thought it was funny um he's like yeah it was okay it was it was good i was like would you read book number two when it comes out and he's like yeah probably um so and that one's supposed to come out no it, did, it just came out june of 2022 and that one's hand helsing monster hunter um so funny if you like mid-grade, if you like comics, graphic novels, or you have a younger kid that you're trying to get interested in reading, again, I don't very often give something five stars, but I did on this one, so I would recommend it. Um, Ham Helsing. I can't yeah. get over the title. I'm sorry. It was funny. Ham Helsing Vampire Hunter. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, the other two I have, uh, I purchased um, paperback on my own have not read yet, but one gave me such um, fire festival vibes, which you know was Jenny and I had so much fun watching all of the uh, documentaries on that. Yeah, it's just something else. It's a whole nother level. If you're interested, look it up. Um, but it's called Lord of the Fly Fest by Goldie Moldavasky. I'm probably butchering that poor person's last name because I don't know if Goldie is a man or a woman. But I'm probably butchering it. Sorry. I apologize, Goldie. Um, but it says when Raffi lands a ticket for Fly Fest, the hottest ticket in town, she can't believe her luck. But a trip to a dream island soon turns into a nightmare. While the celebrities are losing their minds and their luggage, Raffi decides to investigate River Stone, a mysterious musician. But River is harboring a dark secret, and Raffi stands to lose a lot more than her dignity. 
And apparently it all takes place on this island during what's supposed to be like a, a music festival. So the cover is just beautiful, beautiful. So I haven't read it, but seemed cool. I had never heard of it before either. Caden and I randomly went to a bookstore a couple of towns over. Just he was looking for something specific and I saw it and was like, must have. Um, they tell you not to judge books by their cover, but I will certainly buy one for the cover without question. Same. Very much same. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I got is Killjoy by Holly Jackson. And the reason I bought it is because the top of the book says from the multimillion dollar best-selling author of the Good Girl's Guide to Murder trilogy. And I've heard nothing but really good things about that trilogy, but haven't read it myself. Um, this is a really quick read, thin book. It's only like, uh, let me see if it tells me how many pages. Oh my goodness, it's got all these like extra things. And, you know, I hate, sometimes I hate when they add like something from another book to the back. Is this of the, book. the same Holly Jackson that wrote Good, Go- Good Girl's Guide to Murder? Yeah, that's what I just said. That's why I bought it. Oh, okay. Because it says it's uh, from the girl that wrote those things. Oh, um, okay, okay. This is a really thin book. There, It's got like 150 pages maybe. Um, but this one is called Killjoy. And it says, Pippa Fitz Moby is not looking forward to her friend's 1920s-themed murder mystery party. But when the game begins, Pip finds herself drawn into the make-believe world of intrigue, deception, and murder. As Pip plays detective, teasing out the identity of the killer clue by clue, the murder of the fictional Reginald Remy isn't the only case on her mind. So apparently it is a prequel as well. Find out where it all began in this prequel to the award to the best-selling award-winning A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Okay. So I was like, well, I'm sold. 1920s <laughs> murder mystery party where maybe she's investigating more than a fake death? Uh, yes, please. And again, I, it's, it's, I think it's like right at 150 pages. So even for me, that's a quick read. That's a really good yeah. one. That's a short um, one. Yeah, and it has some cool things. Like I was flipping through it at the book um, store, and it has like what the some of the cards that would be given to you at a murder mystery party. Like your secret is oh, how okay. to say blah, blah, blah. So I thought that was a really cool touch. It's not really um, art because you need to know what it says on the card. So instead of just telling you her card said, it's like what the card would look like and then you would read it. Okay. So I thought that was really cool um, as well. So no, I haven't read those last two, um, but based on the synopsis and the cover um, and the price point, because I bought them as paperbacks, um, I think I paid like 10 euros each for them, which right now based on the conversion would only be like $9 American. (laughs) Cause right now it's a pretty good conversion rate. Anyway. So yeah, (laughs) it's bad for the American economy. So don't come after me. I understand this, but as an American living in a foreign country, it's real good for my bank account. (laughs) I can buy more books. Okay. Okay. So, well, I know we mentioned earlier that you are part of Bianca's first time um, with Jenny, but uh, where else can people find you? Where are you comfortable with people connecting with you? And what else do you have? project wise you can find me on the instagrams i am at style and freak over there 
Um, it's just general life things, cooking, cats, outdoor adventures. Um, you can also find me on Goodreads. I want to make sure. I think I'm just Bianca Jimerson there. I believe you are as well. And then on TikTok, I think I'm still at Bianca Jimerson on TikTok. If not, it's at Style and Freak. No, I'm pretty sure you're Bianca Jimerson over there. But I think I'm like you if you type in Style and Freak on mm-hmm. most websites I come up. So I am findable in those places. Feel free to send me to send me a friend request on Goodreads. We can follow each other. You can see what I'm reading and mm-hmm. catch up. And also feel free to friend me on TikTok and send me funny things there. I do enjoy good cat videos. Yes. Again, that's how Bianca and I exclusively talk some days. <laughs> it's our secret we just code. Send each other TikToks. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great. What about you, Miranda? Um, so I would like to invite you guys again to come join the place to be group on Facebook. Um, it is kind of like a private group, I think. I don't remember. You have to request to join, just like most groups on Facebook. Um, but I'm probably going to let you in unless you're a bot or you look sketchy. Um, so, And I'm not the only one that runs it, so maybe somebody else approves you. So whatever. Um, but I'd invite you to come over there and join us. Um, there is a lot of wrestling discussion. Please don't let that deter you, though, um, because a lot of um, our fellow brother and sister feeds, they're all part of our group. Um, are wrestling heavy, but that's okay because there's literally something for everyone. Bianca and I, obviously, we do this and are part of Place Me Nation. I have a Disney podcast over there. I have a Muppets podcast. Um, and I'm bringing back a podcast that I used to do with one of my really, really good friends, Kelly, that's just kind of a all nerd geek pop culture podcast as well. Um, so please check those out. Join the group. That's the best way to find out when new podcasts drop. Um, we have silly discussions. Uh, sometimes we have daily music um, that our friend Jenny posts. Um, and right now, like I said, uh, the Halloween, 31 Nights of Halloween will be going on. And I will be doing a similar one for Christmas as well. Um, of course, you can find me on Instagram at Moms a Nerd as well as on TikTok at Moms a Nerd. Mine is a lot of just general life in uh, Europe and a lot of train videos because I am apparently a 12 year old young man and I am obsessed with the train I, <laughs> I I Sheldon. <laughs> with public transportation. <laughs> it is a fantastic thing. Okay. I'm sorry. It's because will, America doesn't have it. Doesn't have it. And it just, it's, it's so great. It's just, it's just so amazing. The fact that I can wake up one morning and be like, you know what? I want to go to this place that will take me an hour and 20 minutes to drive there, but I really don't want to drive there and I don't want to spend the gas. You know what? 30 bucks for this train ticket. I'm going to go have an amazing day. And I think that's why I'm so fascinated by it. Also, the fact that I can hop on a train and go pretty much anywhere in Europe, Prague, Vienna, like anywhere. It just, I don't know. It fascinates me. So you get a lot of train information um, on the TikTok. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> Um, next month, we're going to switch it up a little bit and go back to the original format that we have done for the first couple of episodes where Bianca and I have picked one specific genre slash topic, and we're each going to read a book and tell the other one about it. So make sure to join us then. Of course, you can join us on Goodreads. Um, I like to see other people's uh, goals for the year. You have a goal. I have a goal. Um I like to see other people's goals. I like to see other people, what they're reading and what they're interested in. I find a lot of books that way. 
Same. Um, yeah. I, I, so I think it's a fantastic tool. I know a lot of people are left Goodreads and gone to Storygraph. I tried my ADHD brain can't handle Storygraph. See, I tried to, I tried to leave and use literal, but they're still, it's still too new. They need mm-hmm. to build it up a little bit. And they actually sent out an email a couple of weeks ago asking, like kind of like a survey of what they could do to improve it. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? That's actually pretty smart. Like it they're is actually really smart. taking real feedback. So if you've gone over and switched to the platform of literal and you haven't done this feedback, um, I'm sure Bianca would say, do it. Yes, please. Yeah. Cause even Goodreads, um, sometimes they don't seem to care about us, but every now and then they're like, well, what can we do to fix this? So you would want to stay. So I think it's very important that if on any of these platforms, you answered those things. Um, but for now, because my brain can handle it a little bit better, um, I will remain on Goodreads. I am on Storygraph if you find me, but I, I'm really bad at it. it. It's just a little confusing. I apologize to everyone. Um, so you can find us there. I don't know, maybe because we've been hesitant about starting um, a social media specifically for the podcast only because I won't lie. It can get daunting trying to keep up with multiple social media accounts. And I already have multiple that I keep up with. Um, But I just had a thought and we'll let you guys know. Maybe we'll just create a Goodreads just for the podcast so you can keep up with what we've read or what we are reading um, so you can join in on the conversation. Always send us your thoughts. um, And we love those of you that already have. Um, Bianca, any more good words for the spooky season outro here? Read what you want, but particularly some autumnal and cozy vibes. I agree. Couldn't say it better myself. Don't be toxic. Read what you want and have great communication with those around you and have a lovely and wonderful rest of your fall. And we'll see you next month in November.